Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Let's pray for the offering and let's pray for the reading of God's word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we uh, come before you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity and the blessing that is ours to be here in the house of the Lord. We ask you, Father, to bless the offering that we're going to receive here tonight. Lord God, bless those that are able to give tonight at the service. We pray for those that are giving online and for those that are mailing them in. However it gets here, Lord, bless the offerings And we also ask you to bless the reading of your word here this evening. Anoint it and give it life. Help me, guide me as I speak your word here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. Amen. Very good. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 12 says this. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. So last week we completed our study in the first six verses of Galatians chapter 5, which addressed the subject, the dreaded subject, the uncomfortable subject of circumcision. And we learned that in Genesis chapter 17, God instructed Abraham, or God instituted the act of circumcision by instructing Abraham to circumcise all of the males in his family, including himself. In Genesis chapter 17, the Bible also tells us that Ishmael was circumcised. So even today, every Muslim is circumcised because of Ishmael. And Isaac was also circumcised after he was born. And so today, every Jew is also circumcised. But we learned that circumcision of the flesh or physical circumcision does not save. The only way that you and I can receive salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen, church? Because of Jesus and the fact that he fulfilled all of the law and the prophets, including the act of circumcision, today anyone who surrenders their life to Christ also undergoes circumcision. Christ fulfills the requirement of circumcision in us, but circumcision for the believer is not in the flesh. We are circumcised in our hearts. Christ has cut off the sinful flesh and the curse of sin that was preventing us from having fellowship with the holy God. Christ did this at the cross. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. In the New Living Translation, it says this. When you came to Christ... You were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Colossians 2, 13 through 15, New Living Translation. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. 
Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. How many of you are glad that you're forgiven because of the blood? Can you say amen? He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. I know that the enemy is busy condemning us every time we make a mistake. But because of the cross, because of the blood, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? We have been circumcised. The sinful nature has been cut away by the power of the cross. And then it says in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Romans 8, I'm sorry, Romans 2, 28 and 29. Again, New Living Translation. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. Tonight, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, if any of us are dabbling in in anything or into anything that is not of God, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will give us a change of heart, will change our heart towards that attitude. And a person with a changed heart Seeks praise from God, not from people. So we learn that circumcision of the heart is not just a New Testament concept. It originated in the Old Testament and has always been in the heart of God to help the Jewish believer understand that God has always wanted a people that would love God and serve God from their hearts and not by obligation or force or against their will. Deuteronomy 10.16 circumcise your hearts therefore and do not be stiff-necked any longer deuteronomy 36 30 verse 6 the lord your god will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live how many of you want to live here tonight can you say amen we should all want to live jeremiah 4 4 circumcise yourselves to the Lord, circumcise your hearts, you people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or my wrath will flare up and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. So now let's move forward and look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. I know in my notes there, uh, Danielle and Vivica, I put only up through 10, but if you can also show up to verse 12, which was our uh, beginning text, okay? It says this, starting at verse 7. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Verse 11. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Now, this section of Scripture makes reference to people who intentionally purpose in their hearts 
to cause people to be led astray. It makes reference to those who teach and preach false doctrine. It makes reference to those who bring controversy or confusion and division to the church through deceptive motives. Look at verse 10, the last part of verse 10. It says this, the one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. You see, the Galatians were doing great in their faith journey with Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul says in verse 7, you were running a good race. You were doing good. You were serving the Lord. You were being faithful. They, they were celebrating their freedom and liberty in Christ. They were walking in the fullness of joy and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But then certain individuals began to infiltrate their churches and began to teach them false doctrine and they caused the Galatians to stumble or to get confused or to even fall back into sin. Let's read again what the Holy Spirit tells us will happen to those who cause people, the people of God, to be led astray. Galatians 5.10. Let me read it again. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. There is a severe penalty awaiting those who are guilty of leading the people of God astray by teaching things that are not biblical or of God. Or if they do something that would cause a young believer to fall back into sin, which means to stumble in their faith. Listen to this warning from our Lord about the responsibility of making sure that we teach God's word accurately. In the book of James, Chapter 3, verse 1. Listen to what it says to those of us who are teachers or leaders in the church in any capacity. Not just pastors. You could be a Sunday school teacher, uh, a men's Bible study teacher, ladies' Bible, children's church. Uh, any, any department, any area of category, this takes place or this falls into the category of anybody that is a leader in the church. It says this, not many of you should become teachers. My fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. You know, it is a privilege and an honor when God allows any of us to teach the word of God to his people. How many of you would agree with that? Can you say amen? In whatever capacity, it could be out there right now. Uh, normally we have missionettes and rural rangers. I think Jamie is out there with the kids. Okay, we don't see her. We don't know what's going on. But whenever you're doing anything for the Lord, as far as teaching or leading, I see uh, John Garcia. I see Lawrence, a Sunday school teacher here. Whenever you're teaching the Word of God in any capacity, it is a privilege and an honor that God has selected you to do this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So if you're in a position within the church, the church where you teach people the word of God in any capacity, not just being the pastor, but in any capacity, the Bible tells us that Christ has given you as a gift to the church in order to build up the body of Christ. I know that, uh, Kathy, you go out there and you help Jamie once in a while with the kids. That means that you are a gift to those kids. And, 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 and Richard, when you come up here and you share the word of God, you are a gift to the church sharing the word of God. It is a gift from God to us. 
And if you're in any position within the church and you teach people the word of God in any capacity, the Bible tells us that Christ has given you as a gift to the church and to the body of Christ, to build up the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. And the Bible tells us that those who are in these positions of teaching the Word of God to make sure that we study and properly interpret or teach the Word of God. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 tells us that it's God's desire for all of us to mature to the place where we eventually are able to teach the word of God. Listen to what it says here in verse 12. In fact, Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So God desires that we grow and we mature and that eventually we begin to help people understand the word of God. Let me read James chapter 3 verse 1 again. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly here the bible tells us that those who are teachers of the word of god will be judged by god more strictly what does that mean we will be held to a higher accountability before god to make sure that what we taught in in as far as the word of god was taught correctly we will be held to a higher standard so we need to take this responsibility of teaching god's word very seriously i as a pastor i have to be very careful and make sure that what i'm speaking to you even right now i could back it up with the word of god why because one day i'm going to be held accountable to the lord for every word that came out of my mouth while i was up here on this pulpit does that make sense to you can you say amen church it's a heavy responsibility it's almost like a catch-22 where God says, I want you to grow, I want you to mature, I want you to teach, but at the same time, if you do teach, you better be careful because you're going to be held to a higher accountability before the Lord. And so we who are teachers must be willing to speak the truth, even if we know that it will be offensive to those who are hearing. We cannot allow ourselves to be afraid or intimidated by the culture around us or by the consequences that come from speaking the truth. There's going to be times when this word that we hear, it will be very, very offensive, especially if you are in a, uh, in a sinful uh, lifestyle and you hear something it's going to, that, that you're doing and it's not approved by God. It's going to be very offensive. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul found in Galatians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, the same book that we're studying. It says this, As we have already said, so now I say again, If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Listen to this warning that God gives us in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33, verses 1 through 9. Let me just read this to you. This is a pretty heavy word. Listen to what it says. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, 
Speak to your people and say to them, When I bring the sword against a land, and the people of the land choose one of their men, and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming against the land, and blows the trumpet to warn the people, then if anyone hears the trumpet, but does not heed the warning, and the sword comes and takes their life, their blood will be on their own head. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. But if the watchman sees a sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes and takes away, takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways. That wicked person will die for their sin. And I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn from their ways, and they do not do so, they will die for their sin, though you yourself will be saved. What is that saying? I, as a preacher, or whoever's up here, whoever's teaching the Word of God, we have the responsibility to let people know this is the way it is. If they listen, they will save themselves from a lot of heartache. If they don't listen and they end up dying or paying the consequences for not listening, the blood is on their hands. But if I don't get up here and have the courage to get in people's faces and tell them exactly the way it is, and they end up dying in their sin because I refused to warn them because I was afraid or intimidated or insecure or I didn't want to offend, then the blood of their sin will be on me because I refused to warn the wicked before it was too late. Does that make sense to everyone? Can you say amen? This principle of making sure that we don't cause someone else to stumble and to warn the wicked before it's too late applies to all of us who are Christians, not just leaders in the church. It applies to all of us. Matthew chapter 18, verses 6 and 7, Jesus says these very powerful words. He says this, If anyone causes one of these little ones those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come. But woe to the person through whom they come. Here our Lord Jesus Christ is warning all of us who are believers not to do anything that would cause another fellow believer to stumble or fall in their faith. For example, if a young Christian sees me, Pastor Jerry, at a local bar drinking shots of tequila, and as a result, they say to themselves, hey, if Pastor Jerry can sit at the bar and drink shots of tequila, well, I can too. And they end up getting drunk, or they end up dying, or they end up doing something wrong or getting all messed up. Guess who's going to be held accountable? I'm going to be held accountable because I caused that person to stumble. Romans chapter 14, verses 12 and 13 says this, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not 
cause another believer to stumble and fall. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says this, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. A little while ago at the beginning of the song service, Julie was uh, asking anybody, all of us here in the church, is anybody here a fool? Well, we used to be so-called a fool before we knew the Lord, okay? Now, if you as a Christian, if you as a Christian want to go back to being a fool and you want to go out and be stupid and you want to go out and get drunk or loaded or laid and you are a Christian, that's on you. That's your own business. If you want to mess up your life, if you want to tear your life up, if you want to cause all kinds of madness for yourself, you go ahead. However, next time that you invite somebody to go with you to do that, God is warning you that if that person that you invite gets all messed up because of what you did, you're going to be held accountable. So next time you invite someone to a club, next time you invite someone to a secular concert, next time you invite someone to a party where there will be drugs and alcohol, if they end up getting drunk or loaded or wasted or fornicating or committing adultery or even dying, please remember, God is going to hold someone accountable for that. Is everyone listening to what I'm saying? If they end up backsliding or losing faith, God is going to hold someone accountable for that. If you get upset with someone and you start mad-dogging them and you start being mean to them and some young believer is with you, hanging out with you, and they see you being rude and being disrespectful and being nasty, and then as a result, that young believer starts being rude and nasty and critical and and acting like a fool. Guess who's going to be held accountable for being a bad example to that young believer? You are. Now, if you want to go out there on your own and be stupid as a Christian... That's on you. But I'm encouraging you, don't drag anybody else with you because someone will be held accountable for that mistake. You know, God warns us about false prophets in the last days. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says this, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. I'm going to read, I have a number of other scriptures warning us about how we need to be careful about the false prophets. Were you able to load uh, that last scripture in the book of Deuteronomy? Okay, just go ahead and show it. We're going to end up with that one. We're going to end with that one, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13. There's all kinds of scriptures in the Bible that warn us, especially in these last days that we're living in. Believe me, I'm encouraging you. Even if you see other Christians doing stuff that is ungodly, 
Don't think that it's okay. Don't be deceived into thinking that it's okay. You keep your eyes and your focus on Jesus. And you keep following the word of God. And you follow the path of righteousness. In spite of whatever you may see going on, even in other churches. Is everyone listening to me? I'm talking about Christians going out to the clubs, Christians listening to secular music, Christians partying, Christians doing all kinds of stuff that they're not supposed to do, and everything, everything seems like it's okay. It's not okay. We're supposed to be the people of God. Now listen to this. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to conclude with this. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder... And the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Listen, we today have access to all kinds of preachers, all kinds of ministries, all kinds of different uh, things that are going on. Uh, and, and it's real easy to allow ourselves to get caught up with all kinds of fancy and extravagant and even exciting things that are going out there in our churches but God is letting us know, even if they do signs and wonders and miracles and supernatural things, but their lifestyle and their message is causing you to compromise the gospel, God is saying, don't listen to them. Did you hear what I just said, church? No matter how exciting it may look, no matter how spiritual it may look, no matter how anointed it may look, if it's deviating you away from focusing your heart and life on Christ, the Bible is saying, don't listen to them. Don't get caught up with all of this stuff that's going on. You stay close to Jesus and you'll be safe. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God. And we heed this warning because the Bible specifically says here in verse 10, Lord God, the one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. There is a heavy penalty, Lord, for causing brothers and sisters in the Lord to stumble. So I pray for ourselves here tonight, Lord, as a church, that we will be very careful about how we live our lives and how we conduct ourselves and the kind of example that we're leading, especially in front of other young believers. Help us, Lord God, not to be guilty of being a stumbling block to others. What we do privately, that's our own business. But when we bring somebody else into it, Lord, it becomes a very serious and dangerous issue. If you're here tonight and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die tonight or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here this evening, just lift up your hand and we will pray. You are not a Christian. If you're watching online and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just repeat this prayer of repentance with me right now. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus,
I come before you and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner, but I also know that you died on the cross for me. So tonight, I receive the free gift of salvation that you offer to all mankind. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless your church. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And just continue to pray. Those of you in the basic doctrine class, we'll see you tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Praise God.